Welcome to Base Space. A crypto podcast. Base Space. What up, Christophe? Hey, hello. You hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Welcome to the Base Space. How's, how's it going? It's good to be here. Yeah, uh, it's great. I, I also think uh, you guys are underrated uh, podcast. Let's go. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we, we're we're just having fun, man. It's like a little little hobby of ours, and uh, we're just we're just enjoying it, man. Just spreading the education. I think education is so important right now, and you know, there's so much development happening this cycle versus you know, say like 2017. So many different new projects, DeFi is booming. It's it's an awesome space to be in. Yeah, I confirm. Yeah, definitely. And uh, many people also need to understand more. Uh, even of the projects that have a great communication, you always can understand much more thanks to talks with founders. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ab- absolutely. Where, where are you actually based at? Um, I'm in uh, Singapore. Oh, that's so awesome. it's uh, 11 p.m. here. Oh my god! <laughs> well, yeah, we got you staying up late. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for taking the time. It's I'm uh I'm in uh, Colorado, so it's 8 a.m. here. So we're always we're always dealing with these time zone shifts. <laughs> Thank you for waking up uh, on the Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah, thanks for staying up on a Sunday night. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome, man. Um. Yes. Yeah, so anytime we bring on like a new guest, I always like to get their background and like how you how you actually got started in crypto. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, uh, good question. I actually I think I've been an entrepreneur for seven or eight years, and the first company that I co-founded was in 2014, and uh, it was a company in the mo- uh, international money transfer business. So basically, we were doing uh, money transfers from. China to Europe, from Mexico to Europe. And uh, we used Bitcoin for that in 2014. And that uh, with uh, with this company, actually, that uh, we went through the Y Combinator in San Francisco. And, but that's basically how we got into it. We wanted to improve the money transfer industry. Uh, we uh, found out that Bitcoin was a great solution for money transfers and uh, used it together with the bank systems. Um, and that's what we did for from 2014 to 2017. That's awesome. That's 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 really really cool that you were in it so early. Um, then what kind of led you yeah. to uh, to go into founding request? Um, uh, yeah, good, good question. Um, what's what was really interesting with being early in this business is that uh, we basically were only dealing with uh, centralized exchanges at the time because the first decentralized exchanges happened to go live in 2017 maybe 2016 um, and so basically we tried to connect with the old banking and centralized industries and uh, realized uh, that uh, uh, crypto and the banking system don't work well together. Um, so um, among the other learnings that we had, and especially because when we were at Y Combinator, uh, we challenged a lot uh, our ideas. Um, uh, the money transfer business that we had built had uh, 1,000 daily users. 
and actually 100% of them had an invoice to pay in a different country in a different currency. So with a request, actually, we just uh, pivoted. Uh, we, with the request, we're building, building a cross-currency invoicing system. It's a blockchain agnostic technology uh, that connects with um, many payment networks, uh, including uh, many um, uh, blockchain uh, protocols. And uh, that's basically um, uh, what makes sense to make the money transfer industry disappear. Because uh, basically, this industry, I don't know if you know about remit remittance, but basically, if you're in the US and you want to send money to uh, another country, you're basically going to pay 5% uh, in fees. And uh, it's also going to take uh, two to uh, seven days. And actually, this money transfer industry, to me, uh, should not exist. Um, it's, it only exists because the banking system is inefficient. And the crypto uh, industry is actually helping a lot. But we are solving um, a part of the money transfer industry at the invoice level, so at the payment request level. Wow, I didn't realize the fees was fee was five percent. That's uh, that's pretty wild just to send money, <laughs> send money from point A to uh, point B. <laughs> it depends which country, of course. If you send to uh, Africa, it's gonna cost uh, twelve percent. If you send to France, you can find a a good deal at one uh, percent or something like that. Depend on the amount as well. <laughs> yeah, I, maybe you know, like who's who's coming up with these percentages? I mean, because twelve percent—that seems like a pretty hefty tax. Yeah, um, uh, the leader in the money transfer industry was Western Union, and basically uh, they were hiding fees, so people who were transferring money they did not know that uh, they're paying that much. Um, and one of the reasons why they needed to charge is because uh, the currencies of the different uh, countries are volatile. So basically, uh, South, South America, uh, Africa, so, South Asia, they had the volatile uh, currencies and uh, companies like Western Union did not want to take any risk. Um, they were hiding fees. Uh, they're still hiding fees uh, in the exchange rate. And that's how they managed to take such a big tax. Is there like legal <clears throat> ramifications for that, or they're allowed to take that much fees and be yeah. secretive about it? Yeah, it's, it's legal because there is an asterisk. <laughs> um, yeah, if there's an asterisk, you basically you see that uh, basically you send uh, ten thousand dollars to uh, uh, to France, and you're gonna receive uh, seven thousand euros, and you're like, oh, okay. And actually, uh, they had they take five uh, percent. You just don't realize because uh, it's hidden in, in the exchange rate. Yeah, that's what's uh, so cool about DeFi, right? Is I mean, you can literally pay tenths of a cent yeah. for a transaction. Yeah. So I mean, it's also yeah, yeah. And DeFi is there for smart people, uh, and uh, it's transparent because it's uh, led by uh, smart customers, smart users. Uh, so DeFi is uh, so open, so transparent that it really makes uh, such old and um, a tricky industry uh, very um, unlikely to to keep being uh, well, <laughs> to keep behaving well. Yeah, we'll see. But uh, even right now with stablecoins, uh, most businesses use stablecoins to transfer money or to pay invoices, and stablecoins is 
it still costs nothing, even if you use the uh, Ethereum blockchain. Um, and, uh, and it's going to take just a few minutes to be transferred. And more than that, you've got transparency over the transfer. So like it's, you know where the money is at every minute. So that's much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I think uh, diving into requests a, a little bit now, uh, what, what payment networks are actually available um, through, through requests? Um, uh, okay, so you're speaking about the different blockchain networks, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so basically, uh, just to uh, put things into the context, uh, request, uh, basically the name request is because uh, it's a payment request technology. It's a protocol that detects payments, and yes, it detects payments on other blockchains as well. Um, so because it's a payment request technology, basically everyone who wants to get paid for his uh, salary, for expenses, for an invoice, is going to send a payment request. It's going to be a crypto payment request. Um, and uh, and can uh, receive uh, or get paid in different networks. So the one we've got right now, uh, it's uh, of course Ethereum and ERC20s, but also Polygon. Uh, we've got uh, Phantom, uh, Near Protocol, Celo, Zilliqa, Binance Smart Chain uh, recently, and Fuse, and maybe I forget some of them, but basically every time we've got a request from a potential uh, big user or big ecosystem like Celo ecosystem, then we, uh, we integrate uh, the payment network with request technology so that uh, people using the Celo uh, system can uh, send each other payment request and uh, get paid in a very easy way. Yeah, that's awesome. Chris, I'm actually curious um, if you could explain for just for people that don't know the difference between uh, e invoicing and electronic document management, could you kind of explain the difference between those two? Hmm. Um, so electronic document management is, so the way I see it, so basically I'm not gonna give a 100% accurate answer, but uh, maybe a bit caricature. Uh, electronic document management is for companies who uh, receive mails, like paper mails, like letters, and they're gonna scan it, uh, and they're gonna send it by email to someone who is gonna be able to visually it uh, as a PDF in his emails. So uh, the problem is it's an inefficient transformation process for big old corporations. Um, and it's uh, the very, very first step for them to become digital. Uh, it's going to be very challenging for the, for such companies to become digital if, if they're struggling there. But uh, it's a big subject, a big subject of digital transformation. While e-invoicing is a bit different. So e-invoicing, um, if I take a view uh, at the world, uh, the world of e-invoicing is mostly governments their suppliers and some big corporations and their own suppliers who have e-invoicing. So basically, instead of sending each other a PDF that is an invoice by email, they're going to send each other data. So they're actually going to make sure that their accounting and invoicing system interacts with the accounting and invoicing system of the other person. So if I take the United States, the, the government, they've got an accounting system 
And if you are a supplier for the government, so if you're doing a job as a data scientist for the government, then you send an invoice and you need to use uh, their tool or be compatible with their tool. So you send uh, them data. So they don't receive a letter, they don't scan it, they uh, receive invoicing data that is automatically going to go into their accounting. But there's a problem as well with this. Uh, it's, uh, oh, there are two problems. First, it does not handle payments at all. So you still have like invoices in the system. That's great because your invoices interact with the invoices of another system, but uh, your invoices don't uh, match with the bank statements. Those are two different siloed systems. Um, so that's uh, the first big problem. It's uh, that uh, it's only a partial solution. And the second big problem is actually the, the biggest one is that it only exist for very big companies, governments and very big companies. But what about all the SMBs who need to spend uh, three weeks a year on the bookkeeping uh, because they need to do everything manually? So basically, uh, they need, uh, we need something a bit better. Um, those two concepts, electronic document management and invoicing, are about digital transformation. So it's mostly like you look at big and old companies. So some are small and old companies as well and uh, they need to do this digital transformation, but with requests, we are doing disruption. That's a bit different. It's, uh, uh, in my opinion, obviously, it's better than e-invoicing uh, because we are building an ecosystem of applications that um, work together, like by default, uh, in an automated way and for payment requests. So basically, instead of having to change everything to be digital and to make systems uh, work together, we just, uh, have a system where everything is working together by default. Sweet. So it just it basically just helps onboarding. That's that's super good. Um, I, yeah, yeah. Could you explain what the uh, the request token does? You know, the rec token, um, and like what its utility is. Um, so he, uh, the rec token is a deflationary token. So same way as a. Uh, Bitcoin is deflationary, but uh, Ethereum is deflationary uh, if there is a great adoption. So for the REC token, it's the same. If there is a great adoption, there's a burn, same as Ethereum, uh, that makes it deflationary. Um, the reason why there is a burn is um, uh, because the burn actually serves as an anti-spam so that you don't receive payment requests from uh, everyone around the world who tries to get paid by you. So like every time someone sends a test request, uh, someone sends a paid re request, there is a, like a few cents uh, of fee that is uh, taken in a rec and burnt. So the, the number of rec is decreasing over time. Uh, if it's decreasing over time, that means that the price appreciates. But uh, so far, the growth uh, is quite good. Uh, the, the effects of the burns, uh, it's a good question. Uh, there is some correlation between the increasing price of the REC token and uh, the adoption because we went from one business one business using uh, a re, uh, request app uh, last year to a bit more than 900 uh, today including uh, Ave, Maker, The Graph, Ocean and um, basically there, there is correlation uh, but uh, we can't really measure how, how much effect it got. Um, and two other things, uh, the REC token is, is uh, also some, uh, it's also a token that, uh, uh, that we've gotten that we send to users. 
so as uh, rewards so that the users can vote and uh, prioritize uh, the features, for example. So we try to build an ecosystem rather than just a, a simple uh, a simple app. Um, and uh, so basically, yes, there's governance rewards. Um, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Uh, another, sorry, I'm thinking also, uh, another project also in terms of governance, governance is that uh, we plan to transform requests into a DAO step-by-step uh, step. and so the governance is going to play a bigger and bigger role over time and that's uh, in my opinion that's going to be the biggest use of the REC token. Is your DAO. Yeah that makes sense. Uh, we kind of see this narrative forming right like with OM the DAOs and uh, I believe even GDAO and there's, there's multiple others right there's a lot of DAOs but um, mm -hmm. that could be extremely powerful in deciding on how the protocol is developed and just the future of the protocol. So that'll be super interesting to um, see you guys set your DAO up. Yeah, I think it's gonna take a few years because uh, uh, to us, setting up a DAO is uh, something that we can do once uh, the ecosystem is thriving. And before that, we need to make it thrive. <laughs> so we are, we are first uh, working on uh, making everything work uh, very well. And then uh, the, uh, the funds basically, uh, will be helped by the community. That's awesome. Um, kind of diving into some of the use cases of requests. I know we, we kind of touched mm -hmm. on the invoices um, previously. I was curious if you could touch on like what a compliant like invoice means and if there are, I don't know, like certain rules associated with being a compliant invoice or issuing a compliant invoice. Mm. Yes, there are. So if uh, someone has got uh, is a business owner here or just uh, uh, doing free freelance work uh, or even just getting grants, actually uh, just receiving uh, tokens um, is not enough for the government. So the, basically the, the tax authorities, they're not okay with uh, just receiving money. They want a document uh, as a proof. And um, and the companies, so like uh, if I take the example of uh, Ave or Maker Foundation, uh, basically those are their companies behind the product and they need to do their bookkeeping and they need to have an external accountant validate the account and they need to have the auditor validate the account. Uh, they also need the authorities to validate the account. Actually, uh, if you've got only transactions uh, in crypto, uh, it's going to be a mess, like a nightmare for the finance persons in the team. And over the last two years, what we noticed is that there's been more and more people uh, like finance persons hired in the crypto native companies. And they basically need to make things right. And making things right is uh, for every payment and every payment request actually, or maybe for every payment, you need to have a payment request. For every payment and payment request, you need to have a document. And an invoice, uh, basically, if, uh, if you do an invoice in, uh, in the US, it's going to be a bit different than an invoice in France, which is itself going to be a bit different than an invoice in India, because there are different rules. And almost every country has got its own rules. So what we are doing is we, we're building an invoicing that, that is international. And uh, it's uh, international, basically it's flexible so that if you've got specific rules in your country, you can adapt. Um, and uh, basically you, you go on uh, invoicing.request.network 
uh, you send an invoice to an email, uh, you uh, explain how much it is, uh, um, you put the invoice, basically you denominate it in US dollar because your books are in US dollar. Uh, you ask to be paid in, uh, I don't know, DAI or USDC, and the payer will receive the email in one click. He clicks on the invoice, he pays it, and, uh, and you receive the funds. Uh, he can also pay it in, in a different currency, um, so that's a cross-currency invoice, uh, no need for money transfer anymore. And uh, what else? Oh, that's pretty much it, and I, I can go into more details. Got it. So it's, it sounds like you guys do have some sort of invoice builder where you can customize what the invoice looks like, what type of information is, is present on the invoice. You could adapt to different country requirements. Is, is that correct? That's an excellent concept, the invoice builder, but that's today it's just like a blank fields that you can uh, fill with your specific uh, details for your country. Uh, so today it's much more simple than that. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's a great idea. Uh, invoice builder uh, would look really great. Mm. Um, I'm curious, are you are you planning to integrate with, with systems like DocuSign and, and other uh, contract-based systems, or are you, are you going to create your own um, system to, you know, to sign contracts and then issue invoices? Uh, that's a very good point. So, uh, you know, there's a blockchain DocuSign. It's called uh, Sign Request, by the way. Uh, but uh, it's not affiliated with uh, what we do. Um, but uh, at the moment, um, we don't prioritize. So we have it on the backlog, but we don't prioritize it. Um, because uh, it's not the biggest needs uh, of our users. Uh, our users' biggest needs are uh, more payment networks, so more blockchains, maybe uh, Avalanche or um, others. And um, But this idea actually is something that we've thought about. It's basically you sign a contract with another business, so you are in the US, uh, you are the client, and you've got a Chinese supplier. You sign a contract with them. It's totally like online. It's like a smart contract for legal stuff. And the contract is going to uh, give the rules for the invoices. And there's, a, there's just going to be workflows uh, and uh, payments. And almost everything could be automated, from the invoice creation to the invoice payment uh, to the bookkeeping and tax declaration and tax payments. Um, it's we're not there yet, uh, but I think that might be where we are heading. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. You're, you're definitely going to save companies a lot of time and money. So I could definitely see see the value um, of the tools that you guys are creating. Um, I know you're working on request finance, and that's kind of, uh, from my understanding, um, like a, a software suite of tools. Could you kind of go into like what? What is part of request finance and like what tools will be uh, available within that suite? So, um, so first I'm going to explain what is the difference between request finance and request create. So uh, request finance is um, an app uh, that is not 100% decentralized, but that relies 100% uh, of on a decentralized technology or payment request technology while request create is a 100% decentralized app. Um, and request finance has seen a huge growth. So like, uh, I mean, from a one business client to more than 900 in one year, 
because it enables businesses to pay all their payment requests in one place and all at the same time, like uh, mass payments as well. So basically, uh, if uh, you are a CFO, for example, at, um, let's say, uh, Ethereum Foundation, that is not a client, to my knowledge, or not for 100% of their flows, for sure. Um, uh, so let's say the CFO, the finance uh, manager of Ethereum Foundation uh, pays invoices, but also salaries and also expenses. Um, basically, with request finance, he can have all of them in the same dashboard and, in, and pay uh, 300 payment requests in one click. That's more like the, the value that we bring. It's compliant, it's easy, it's convenient, it's automated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's incredible uh, in terms of the speed and, and the time uh, to execute that. Um, and it's not just invoices, right? Like you guys are able to pay other types of business expenses to the software and you're able to play, pay employee salaries, correct? Yes. So if you are, uh, so basically you, as an employee, you can uh, sign up to request that finance and uh, get paid in, um, uh, get paid in crypto for your salary uh, by uh, sending your payment, your salary payment request to your employer. The same applies for expenses. And um, last but not least, but it's only available in the Eurozone at the moment. It's uh, basically you can already uh, get paid by your employer in crypto while your employer pays in uh, euros. So that's the fiat to crypto feature that we just launched. And uh, what's really interesting is that uh, your bank, if uh, your bank pays on a specific bank details, or I mean, if you're working at a bank, you are a banker, you can get paid 100% in crypto without your bank knowing. Uh, because uh, your bank is going to pay to some bank details and when the uh, money re is received on the bank uh, account, it's automatically uh, transformed uh, into a stablecoin. So you receive a stablecoin even though your clients or employers are not crypto friendly. No way. Super, super. You could use that feature, bro. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's actually... <laughs> Oh, I didn't know if you were saying something else. Super. Oh, no. I was just, yeah, I was just saying that was interesting. <laughs> oh, okay. You kind of cut out the end. No worries. Um, I also saw that you guys are launching a bunch of new features, including like, including like the escrow system. Um, I was kind of curious, like, how are you guys going to guarantee that the client has like put that money aside for the escrow system and, and does like does request actually hold the, that fund those funds themselves within within a contract or how how is that setup going to work? Um, okay, so first I'm going to explain what is escrow for invoices. So basically, if I take the example of a U.S.-based client who is dealing with a China-based supplier, the Chinese supplier does not want to start working if you don't pay first. And the U.S. client does not want to pay if the Chinese supplier does not uh, work first. Um, so basically, there's a problem, and there are many business relationships that cannot happen. Uh, one way for them to happen is to use services like Fever or Upwork, where basically Fever or Upwork, they're gonna, uh, as a financial entity, they're gonna receive 
your money, so the money of the client. They're going to tell the supplier in China, hey, guys, we have received the money from the client. You can start working. If you work well, we're going to send you your money. If you don't, uh, we're going to uh, resolve the dispute. Uh, Fever and Upwork, they take, they take 10 to 30% of the amount of the invoice. So basically, you send a $1,000 invoice. And uh, Fever and Upwork, they're going to take up to $300 for this service. And we and we are going to replace uh, um, the, the financial institutions like uh, work and uh, fever in these cases uh, with a smart contract. So we replace more or less banks with code. And how we do that? It's a smart contract that we don't own. It's a smart contract that where the rules are preset. So basically, the clients send the money to a smart contract, uh, and then uh, some. It could be very very simple. You send the money to the smart contract, and the condition is uh, the money will be released to the supplier if I approve, so if the client approves. And it will not be released to anyone for one year if I don't approve. So after one year, it's going to go back to the client. So basically, in this case, uh, that already solved like 80% of the challenges. And, um, and it's very, very simple. And then there is another case where there is dispute resolution and the money never goes back to the client. It's just like there needs to be a res resolution of a dispute. And uh, there's, a, you know, there's a Kleros. It's a, de a decentralized dispute resolution system which, uh, with which we can uh, integrate for this part. So the answer to your question is no, we will never hold the fence. It will be a smart contract. And how we manage the conditions will be preset and th thanks to uh, so decentralized the dispute resolution systems. Very cool. Very, very, very cool. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely see this feature being really big with with your current clients, and I can definitely see it being important for larger contracts where you kind of want some payment right to be put aside up front, uh, especially if you're working with mm -hmm. like an anonymous party, um, which is really big in this space. So, yeah, um, that's awesome. And I, I also saw that you were working on a payment reputation system. Um, and I was just curious if you could share anything, any details around how the system would work. Um, is there gonna be like a score that you're assigned? Like if you have a request account where you have like almost like a, a reputation score when you log in? Um, yeah, curious yeah. if you can um, the, the reputation system is one of um, the things that I, found, I find the most exciting. Um, also, because to me, it's a pillar uh, to enable other use cases. But I'm going to talk about the reputation system first. Basically, uh, the transactions happen on-chain. So on-chain, the amounts, the, Ethereum, the addresses, the amounts, and the, the date is more or less uh, something that we, we can see. So for every user of uh, the decentralized payment net uh, request network, uh, we can see if uh, the payment requests have been paid on time or not on time, or even not paid at all. We cannot see who did not pay on time, uh, but basically uh, to be straight to the point, as a user on a request uh, finance today, you can already see your own reputation. At the moment, no one else than yourself can see it, but you can see your own reputation as a payer. If you pay everything 
on time. So basically, you you receive an invoice you, uh, you're supposed to pay within 30 days. If you always pay 100% of the invoice within 30 days, then you have a five stars reputation. And why it's uh, very exciting to me, it's because uh, let's say you are a freelancer and you send your invoice for 10,000 to, um, uh, to Maker Foundation uh, and Maker Foundation has a five-star reputation and Maker Foundation accepted your invoice. So they clicked on I approve. So basically when they click on I approve, they say, I'm gonna pay within 30 days. Uh, we can algorithmically be like 99% uh, sure that the invoice is gonna be paid in 30 days. So the person who sent the invoice can uh, get financing uh, early, like uh, uh, immediately after sending out the invoice could get uh, the financing for this invoice. And it can be like instant, and that's uh, something that can solve the invoice financing uh, challenge, where basically, you know the reason uh, why most SMBs and startups die is because they need cash. And most of them, they have uh, invoices, and they're supposed to receive cash in the near future, but they, they still die because they can't pay the salaries. And if they could get access to financing a bit easier with uh, an algorithm that uh, does uh, instant uh, financing, then that would uh, save many of them. And that, that would help, especially in our context. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, this, this is super exciting uh, and super cool. Are, with the reputation system, are, are you going to be able to see how many invoices have actually been paid um because i could see like hey someone just pays one invoice and that then they have you know five stars or whatever you know are, are you going to be able to see like hey they've actually completed ten thousand or a hundred thousand transactions no definitely yeah, the, the number number volume and uh, whether it's uh, on time or not yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i think i think this is going to be huge for, huge for your uh Fair platform. No, this is this is awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. It brings that layer of accountability too, right? So now, now you can see who's paying on time and who's not. So. Yes, and that's that's great for fairness. Um, you know, when I was, uh, uh, let's say, uh, ten, more than ten years ago, I was a CFO, uh, a finance officer in a Swiss uh, multinational. We always, always paid late because we were growing very fast. And so we decided we would always pay very late. And basically, we were not fair. But there is nothing in the market that, that there, it's not a problem if you don't pay on time, actually. So the, the ones who are fair, they should be, they should, they should be rewarded for it. Uh, so that's uh, something that is very, very good for fairness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I 100% agree because I do uh, partnerships for a living. And I have to deal with a lot of different mm -hmm. clients and, and businesses. And yeah, some of them will like purposely like you'll agree to 30 day terms and they'll pay you in 60 days. Right. Or <laughs> they'll they'll try and swap around yeah. a, around the, the, the agreement. And really, you don't have too much um, recourse that you could really do, um, you know, against these type of people. Uh, Unless they just don't pay at all, right? You have to get into a lawsuit and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good point. There's nothing you can do, actually. You can just wait. 
<laughs> yeah, it, it sucks. It, it, it's awful. <laughs> yeah, so I think I think this system it creates like that extra level of transparency that we just don't have today when um, available. So this is this I think is going to be huge uh, for any type of business and partnership. Yeah, definitely. That's uh, one of the pillars to build something uh, that is so useful that it's going to be huge. Yes. Yeah, I'm. I'm curious if you guys are. Um, I don't know, planning to expand this out in terms of having like a widget that 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 uh, startups could display on their website or things like that to kind of highlight their reputation score more more publicly. Um, any any thoughts around around that? Like almost like creating like a badge. That's a good or, point. You know, like, um, no, no, that, excellent point actually um yes uh why not uh, actually if you look today at uh, uh, the crypto ecosystem it's actually um there are two different atmospheres there are the shady business relationships and transactions where you basically don't even know who you're dealing with and you're probably not getting paid like you're really unsure and there are the reputable uh, foundations and crypto native companies uh, that are paying uh, on time and very well. Um, uh, the ones who are paying very well, actually, they should, ideally, they should uh, show that they pay well. Uh, um, I mean, that, that they pay on time, because you, when you are just uh, when you are a freelancer, uh, basically, you it's a very very important decision to decide if you're gonna start working with this client or this other client. And if you know already that uh, this other client is paying on time and is a five-star re reputation while the other one is not showing his reputation or does not uh, want to show it, uh, then it's uh, much safer for you to work with a reputable uh, company. So that should be something that, um, that they can show and uh, maybe uh, as a widget, maybe uh, in the contract, maybe you, when you sign the business uh, contract, you could send a link to uh, your re reputation. Um, uh, that that would make sense. Yeah, and and I'm I'm also just thinking about like in from a, like an investor standpoint, you know, as a an investor of some like really <laughs> uh, startup type uh, crypto projects, I would like to know, hey, are they actually paying their invoices on time? Um, and what and it give, would give like an extra layer to what's happening behind the scenes um, of the projects. Are these payment scores going to be publicly available in terms of um, like a directory where I could go and look up X project and see if they're they're paying their invoices aren't on time or is it going to be behind kind of like a login wall uh, where I would need to have like a request account in order to see those scores no you won't need a request account but you're not you're gonna have just so, so if you have a directory uh, you're gonna have access to a pseudonym pseudonymous uh, reputation um, table. You see what I mean? You're just going to see the not name of the company unless this decide that they, they show that they share it with uh, the world. So by default, it's going to be pseudonymous and uh, upon acceptation, it's going to be public. Got it. Okay. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Um, 
I know you. I know you guys have a few part, a lot of partnerships, obviously, that are happening. I was curious if you could dive into maybe one or two of them um, and how maybe they're using requests currently. I saw. I saw that you guys were partnered with Ocean. I was curious, like how how they're integrating um, with requests. I'm not sure if you know offhand. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, basically, uh, I, I guess I can share what's. Uh, Public, so if I'm not uh, wrong, uh, Ocean is uh, uh, um, distributing grants, and they decided to use uh, request finance for all their grants. So now, for every grantee, they need to um, uh, to use a, a request finance and a payment request to the Ocean uh, people who are going to deal with the payment request, and it's. Um, so there's a public page on the uh, Ocean uh, website that uh, describes uh, the process. It's very simple. And um, uh, what's also interesting is that they can, uh, they, uh, how, uh, sorry. You just click on a button and uh, your invoice is uh, pre-created to Ocean, uh, Ocean details. So they're the email address that they want to receive it uh, to and, and so on. So that's uh, very convenient for them to distribute uh, grants. I think uh, Maker, so Maker was the, the first uh, user of uh, the, in, the request of, uh, finance app, and uh, they did exactly this as well, is a public process, all grantees through, uh, through request. Because it's uh, quite convenient for, for their finance persons. Yeah, I think that that's a that's a perfect use case. Um, yeah, of requests and, and making it making it easy to to pay out grants. I think that that's that's perfect. Um, I'll, ask, I'll ask one more partnership to see if you could talk about. It. I was kind of curious around like Ave. I saw was was on the list. Ah, uh, yeah, it's because uh, <laughs> I love Ave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, this project. Uh, I think uh, Ave and Gnosis are among the ones that I prefer, and they've been here for a very long time. Uh, I don't know if people uh, remember, but uh, Ave was uh, before it was uh, if land, and they renamed to Ave, and that's uh, how it uh, started to uh, to become a, a big thing. Um, no, I think uh, Ave are using a, a request for um, probably all their. Uh, Payment requests, so probably uh, all their staff, freelancers, suppliers, grantees, just uh, everything. Um, yeah, um, we're in touch with a, a few people uh, at Ave, and they're basically uh, having a good time with the product because it's uh, very, very convenient. And they're so. Um, so I, I will let them uh, speak about it, but they, I think, they trust in the future and. Um, uh, how much more it's going to become? Because right now we believe we've done, we've made only like one percent of our vision. So, so they they're in it for a very long time. And uh, Gnosis, there's a dual partnership with them. So um, they're paying grants. I think the same way as most of our users, uh, with a more or less a public process as well. And uh, we are also integrating with uh, Gnosis Safe. So you know the Gnosis Safe is the multi-sig uh, wallet that even uh, Vitalik Buterin is uh, is using to hold his uh, its funds, and uh, we use the Gnosis Safe to batch payments. So basically, if you want to pay two hundred invoices at the same time, you would uh, use an integration with the Gnosis Safe. 
it's a very secure it's a 100 decentralized it's it's really a good example of a DeFi products working well together yeah that's that's beautiful um I'm... hey christoph so rotating back on dows right um mute yeah. <laughs> chop that one off <laughs> um so how how would uh, with a DAO how would you I guess choose who controls the data right because I mean the DAO obviously you take a vote on it so say the DAO's vote goes against like what you at Request Network want to do how would you um how would you go about that or what what are some systems that you'd put in place before you guys create a DAO that kind of would would stop uh I guess people from the DAO ruining the protocol is what I'm trying to say. Um, let me reframe it because I'm not sure if I understood the question. You um, basically uh, uh, you want you would like me to describe how it would work for a DAO to integrate with a, a request uh, network. Yeah. Yes. So, okay. Most of uh, so as uh, you uh, as a uh, Mewtwo said earlier, there are many types of DAOs. Um, I'd say those uh, who have uh, off-chain voting systems, uh, it's basically um, the way they work is the same as companies. Uh, it's just that uh, the decisions are taken by the, the community. Uh, so I guess what you would like me to describe is how it would work with a DAO that is fully with on-chain voting, where you basically you vote uh, like uh, the Aragon or the Aostax uh, DAOs, you vote and that launch the uh, the payments of payment request. So we need, because that's something that's not live yet, we need to integrate with the DAO system. So this could be with Aragon, could be with DAO stack um, or with others. Uh, and we integrate in a way that uh, we predefine at the DAO level and in the vote that uh, when we uh, validate that such a payment request will be, uh, uh, so sorry, we integrate in a way so that, uh, when there is a payment request that is sent to the DAO, then there is a vote, and then the vote is launching an approval of uh, the invoice. And after the approval, the payment happens automatically at the due date. We, we can predefine that. Uh, that's fine. Or uh, we could also uh, see it in another way that is even more automated, is that for this specific person or this specific uh, company, when they send an invoice, if that's an invoice that is below this amount and that the DAO does not vote against this uh, the payment, then the payment happens uh, automatically. So those are both things that uh, could work, but we don't have an automated integration with DAOs yet. Sweet. Thank you for answering that. And also, I had another question. Are you guys currently hiring? Because I know a lot of people in the crypto are looking for jobs in the industry and just don't know where to look. And we tell them quite often that you know, almost every protocol we bring on is is hiring or looking for an extra hand. Yeah, so <laughs> we are definitely hiring, and it, it's challenging because we are um, uh, we are hunting because uh, it's uh, it's uh, challenging to get uh, many many good engineers. But we we hiring all types of IT engineers like block, blockchain, mobile, backend, full stack, DeFi, like uh, everything, even uh, um, white hackers for security. Uh, so basically, uh, yeah, on on the website uh, you can uh, you can uh, contact if there are people in the in the group who would like to um, 
try and apply. But I need to tell in advance there are too many French people uh, in, uh, in the world, but also in the, in the company. So like I think we are like more than 50% who are French people, and so there the um, uh, baguette culture. <laughs> you heard that. If you're French, you can't get a job. But <laughs> but if any other nationality got it. Uh, no, 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 no. It's uh, rather the, the opposite. We try, we try to hire uh, non-French people because uh, we have too many. Um, yeah, and uh, actually, we also hiring a product growth manager, product designer, community managers. Uh, so yeah, we um, uh, we expanding mm, definitely. Perfect. You guys heard that if you're listening, whether it's on um, on Twitter or if you're listening to this on YouTube, they are hiring. So just go to their site if you're looking for a job in the industry. And um, Christoph, for 2022, can you kind of elaborate on what Quest is looking to do during 2022, kind of like a roadmap? Mm. Okay, so we don't believe in the roadmap. Yeah, but, I know. Uh, can't get on a bit. <laughs> but I'm gonna tell a few uh, the the main milestone that uh, we reach in 2022. Uh, uh, the the uh, uh, it's uh, probably more than uh, businesses similar to Ave Maker Gnosis and so on. So that's uh, a great thing. So it's a milestone in terms of adoption. Uh, to reach such a milestone, that means that we've done a good job in terms of um, a product. And uh, the product is something that we want to improve with two things that we talked about uh, earlier. Uh, escrow, that's going to go live early 2022. And uh, invoice financing, that uh, depends on the uh, reputation um, progress, but is also going to uh, make um, um, probably an interesting milestone uh, next year. Uh, and next year is in uh, seven weeks now. And uh, two other things, uh, the ecosystem development. So we want to partner with more entrepreneurs who are building um, invoicing, salaries, expenses, apps, uh, so invoice financing, or even uh, reputation uh, use cases. Uh, so that's something that we're gonna speed up. Uh, and the last but not least is that the uh, REC token economics today are not bad, but uh, we are thinking of uh, improvements and uh, we will uh, release, uh, uh, we will uh, implement improvements uh, next year. Yes. That's sweet. That's sweet. And more of a, a long term question, and th this will be our last one, and maybe we can go to community uh, community questions. But where do you see Request Network and maybe like the next? three to five years as we, you know, as DeFi and blockchain in general gets more adoption. Um, okay, I'm gonna answer in two ways. The first way is the different blockchains, they are mostly about push payments. So you, you send a payment somewhere or you send a trade and you receive a token in exchange. Uh, it's, a, it's really about like pushing uh, information and payments. And uh, Request Network is about pooling payments and it's uh, agnostic, blockchain agnostic. It works with all blockchains or it can work with all blockchain. Today it's like something like five or 10. Um, so we see requests as uh, even wider uh, network. So connecting to all 
major blockchains in the world. That's probably like hundreds. Um, and and how it um, how it would work in terms of adoption. So we often talk about uh, PayPal, and uh, Request Network is also seen as a PayPal 2.0. Uh, because PayPal initially launched as an invoicing, uh, like an, uh, as an online invoicing and payment system. And Request Network is also an online invoicing and payment system with a very big difference is that the database is a decentralized payment request one. And uh, this, this difference makes an ecosystem possible with great products that work together. So how I see the future is I see many small baby people, baby Stripe, uh, baby accounting software, and baby invoicing uh, tools, which are going to be built uh, on top of uh, request network technology and are going to thrive and become as big as those closed, siloed, centralized, capitalistic systems that uh, Stripe and, uh, and, um, and PayPal are. And, uh, and I see this uh, interoperability economy. Um, thriving uh, because uh, there's a new era of capitalism. It's a, an era of uh, cooperative capitalism, uh, like, uh, you know, Legos. And that's, uh, that, um, that's something that is very promising because the user is going to be king. Like uh, the experience is for the users. The user can change from uh, an app to another easily uh, rather than the way it is uh, today. Yeah, I, I totally agree that UI and UX is, is crucial for onboarding new people because a lot of people want just like a, mm -hmm. a simple click, right? And they're they're using the the software, or the app, or the app. Uh, they don't want to have to like download MetaMask and then you know connect to three different. Mm -hmm. but, um, uh, UX is key. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, my bad. No, 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 please. Um. So another question that kind of spawned after you said uh, like PayPal or Stripe, are you guys planning on coming out with a mobile app? Yes. Uh, yeah, we are also hiring uh, mobile engineers. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Well, here at Basebit, definitely like we we want to track your you know your progress and your success, and we're just super happy to have you on. And um, I was wondering, at the end, we usually do community questions. Are you up to you know maybe take a few questions from the crowd? Yeah, sure. Perfect. If anybody wants to request and off a question just go ahead and uh, we'll let you up one at a time i know i remember seeing someone request for one yeah let's just give it a few seconds here as long as it's laggy but christoph uh, in the meantime uh Mm -hmm. Thank you for just taking the time to come on and, and speak to us. I know it's super late your time. It's fine. No worry. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah. Like I said earlier, you're welcome anytime. Um, yeah. I don't think we have any questions, super. I think, I think we could wrap it up. Yeah. We could wrap it up here. Um, Christoph, we, we do record these. Are you cool with us uh, posting it up on YouTube? Uh, yes, please do. Awesome. Perfect. Sure. And uh, yeah, just again, really, really appreciate you uh, taking the time to, to speak with us today. 
and uh, thank you for taking the time as well and thank you for everyone uh, who, uh, who joined to, to, tonight or today <laughs> it's a pleasure. all right guys we'll, we'll wrap it up here uh look out for more episodes we'll definitely be announcing uh another another episode monday or tuesday this week so stay on the alert and everyone stay based and have a nice weekend okay, great.